Today on the Masked Man Show, we got a mailbag episode. We're going to talk about a lot of Royal Rumble stuff. Best Rumble match of all time. Best non-Royal Rumble match on a Royal Rumble pay-per-view of all time. We're going to talk about who would have made it in the 80s from wrestlers today and what wrestlers from the 80s would have made it in the modern era. We're going to talk about lots of stuff. Listen in. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First battle season one champion, Mike Long. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, Kaz? I'm good. How you doing? How you doing, guys? How you doing, Dave? How you doing, John? Yeah, John, our, our, our babyface producer, John, is is uh, on the mic today because we're doing a mailbag episode. It's a very mm. special mailbag episode. John's going to ask us some questions, and uh, and well, I guess we'll try to answer them. Yeah, um, I've, want, I've wanted to do an episode like this for a minute. I always feel like it's always more interesting to hear a little feedback from the Masked Man fam. So, you know, this is this is fun. For sure. It's been a uh, rather, I guess, all things equal, uneventful week in pro wrestling. Right. Uh, no big no big pay-per-views, no uh, shocking debuts of the Bullet Club. Uh, no, you know, <laughs> un, you know, no, no tragedies, thank God. Uh, but a lot of like a lot of setting the table this week. Yeah, you know, it's a top lot of, of the like, year. I feel like I feel yeah. like uh, a lot of a lot of refresh in wrestling right now. So now's a great now's as good a time as ever. Road to WrestleMania. Dynamite really kicking in, Bullet Club stuff. Let's let's talk to the people. So the first question we have from at Knitman Returns. What's your favorite Royal Rumble uh, non-Rumble match? Easy, easy, easy one. Easy one. Favorite Royal Rumble, non-Royal Rumble match, triple threat, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, John Cena for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. My goodness. I, that is... And I've said this, I've, I've gone on record and saying it's the greatest triple threat match of all time. Just an absolute clinic fucking, I think, th- or the reason why I love that match so much is because I feel a lot of people didn't really know if Seth Rollins was ready to be that guy. Like, uh, let's, 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 let's rewind back to those times, right? Back then, Shield splits up. Um, they, they dropped all these little hints that Dean Ambrose was going to be the guy that that turns heel and, you know, breaks the group up, whatever. Everybody gets shocked. Seth Rollins is the dude. He becomes part of the authorities. Triple H's guy. And a lot of folks, I believe, didn't really know or think he was kind of ready for such a big stage or even ready to be a world champion at that point. I, you know, though he was young. Brock Lesnar was kind of like this monstrous dude. Roman Reigns was the big kahuna. John Cena was still be doing John Cena things. And that match really opened up a lot of eyes to me, opened up a lot of eyes to a lot of folks. That Seth Rollins is ama- an amazing, not just not just a very good wrestler, not just a good, I'm, I'm talking about he is an amazing five-tool wrestler, like does everything, absolutely everything. And... On top of that, the best matches are the matches where Brock Lesnar is extremely engaged. And I don't think it's it's hard to find a match where Brock Lesnar is more engaged than that triple threat. It was just a, a five-star classic right there. That's, without a doubt, my favorite non-Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble match. Uh, that's actually what uh, Nitman Returns, he, was, he recommended that mm. one. Um, Another one I would say probably John Cena versus AJ Styles, the rematch. That was a good one, I thought, uh, where they just kind of went at it for like 20-ish minutes. Yeah, I remember that. I think that's the one where John Cena won his 16th world title. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the last, uh, you know, I, I love that match too. Um, you know, Cena was kind of on like his last run of of showing people that like, hey, I'm also actually a very good, I'm not just, uh, you know, 
I'm not just an actor turned wrestler guy. Like I could still really like get it. That uh, he he shut up a lot of the you can't wrestle crowds of 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 Cena haters with that performance and just that entire run from being U.S. champion to the AJ Styles feud to all that. So yeah, that's those are great picks. But that triple threat is masterpiece, masterpiece. The triple threat is really great. Those are both really good picks. I would go. All right, so matches that we have to remember are, if I'm not mistaken, the trip. I mean the uh, the Rock. McFoley match that was like the chair shot explosion mm-hmm. that was in Beyond the Mat and all that kind of stuff. That was Royal Rumble two. Uh, no, that was I want to say ninety nine. Yeah, and that was ninety nine. And then so I mean that's like there's definitely some people that'll cite that as a favorite match. That I think in a good way that's sort of been relegated to the dark side of history. Uh, but that was it was an incredible match if you can overlook the you know brain damage that was occurring right in front of you. <laughs> uh, Triple H versus HBK. The the O four match, remember like the like the like that was sort of like the end of their modern rivalry or whatever. That was uh that was super good. But the I have two weird ones. Well, not weird ones. One one is maybe obvious. Uh, Triple H versus Cactus Jack from two thousand was just a freaking banger. I mean, that was just one of the all time like Triple H like was that a, was that a Hell in a Cell match or was that just no? A I think match? it was just a, it was it was a I mean it was a brutal match. It was a. Right. Um, no, but it wasn't Hell in a Cell. It was, I mean, 2000 had some crazy, crazy stuff. That was, I'm looking right now, that was the Hardys versus the Dudleys had a match on that card too that was really, really good. Um, but the the Triple H Cactus Jack match was just a match where, like Triple H didn't have to prove himself in 2000, but he like, it, it felt like one of those matches where you're like, oh, like Triple H like, can, can take a leap. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and Cactus, and, and my, I love, I mean, listen, the Cactus Jack would have been meaningless in WWE without Mick Fo- I mean, without Mankind having existed. Mm-hmm. But like, but I love every Cactus Jack match more than almost any any Mankind match. Certainly any dude love match. But uh, so that's that's a one that's a big one for me. But also, if you want to really tug at my my formative years heartstrings, nineteen ninety five, Bret Hart versus Diesel. Ooh, that's a goodie. The underrated Kevin Nash has work rate match. That if you go back, and- <laughs> Brett Brett was gonna Brett was gonna get a goddamn match out of out of out of, out of Diesel. Damn it! <laughs> I saw I saw a match. Uh, I mean, I saw a clip this week on Twitter or something like that where someone was just it was someone like it was a joke that someone labeled it. Uh, big Mabel shoots on Bret Hart, and it was just like an old Big Mabel Big Vis like, like shoot interview. And someone's like, "What do you think about Bret Hart as champ?" And he gave this look like he was about to rip him one. And then he was just like, for my money, the greatest champion in wrestling history. And then went on <laughs> to talk about how like every match when he was working under Brett was just like the highlight of his life. And uh, yeah, Brett could just do, Brett could do no wrong. But that, but I love it when, I mean, listen, we all know Brett can get a match out of anybody. But when he gets a match out of somebody that you like, that you want to have a good match, it's just like if only Diesel would have some good matches, he would be my favorite wrestler of all time. That's a real big win. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's a ton of them. Royal the the rumble the rumbles throughout the years have some underrated non rumble matches. You know, we always just think of the big debuts. For real, this 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 question got me got me thinking. So now I'm now I'm I'm just I'm just in the Royal Rumble uh, time loop right now. And ro- another underrated banger, Royal Rumble. I want to say 2003. Kurt Angle. Chris Benoit for the WWE yeah, Championship. I deliberately skipped this match. <laughs> I know I know that we're allowed to say his name. I deliberately skipped oh, so this one who, for that he reason. He shall not be named. My fault. He shall also not be named. My yeah. Bad, my bad, my bad, uh, yeah. But incredible, incredible match. Um, Just, you, you, you started talking work rate, and I'm like, I know there's some Kurt Angle bangers in, in the Royal Rumble <laughs> laying in there, and it, I just needed to jog my memory real quick. We're not we're not looking at these questions before we ask them, so a lot of these are no, just starting to jog memories. And yeah, but fa- fantastic match, fantastic match. There was a great Benoit Jericho match in 01 too. It was for the IC title, I believe. That was, mm-hmm. I mean, those two guys when they could find when, when they like. When they could steer Benoit and Jericho into the ring together, and they wrestled a billion times, but like when they could make it matter for those, in the, and there's just like a handful of times. I I loved it when they teamed up uh, against Triple H and, and Steve Austin. That's one of my favorite. Just like I'm geeking out like a kid, even though I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> moments, but when they when when Jericho and, and Benoit got in the ring together with meaning, like that was some of the my, some of my favorite some of my favorite matches. Then can't can't go wrong with that, man. Chris Jericho. And Benoit had just an incredible chemistry with each other. And uh, 
that is understated, understated. And um, yeah, man, you, you can't you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with that. What else we got? What else we got, John? All right, from Wrestling Graham, what promotion today is the best place to be a black wrestler? Wow, what a question. Dave, you want to take this? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say, I mean, it's got to be, I mean, uh, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about just being a black wrestler, I mean, I would probably say GCW, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's an obvious answer, but if you're trying to get paid and, be you know exposed i mean i it's easy to kind of dunk on aew right now because you know they're still trying to build they're still building they're still very young and you know i, I it's easy thing to do but i mean i the, the clear answer is wwe i mean like you know when it comes to black wrestlers and black talent it's crazy how far they've come and you got to give them their props for just how much they put uh black talent in the forefront now, you know, um, whereas back when I was growing up, I would be a fan of literally any black wrestler because that was the only guy that was on TV, whether it was an Ahmed Johnson or a, um, you know, Nation of Domination or any of that stuff. Because, you know, you wanted to see yourself, you know, on on the screen and th- that was the closest thing you could do. Um, but obviously right now, I mean, just 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 look at just look at Raw and SmackDown. You, you got Keith Lee. You got the Hurt Business. You got... Sasha Banks, you got the Street Profits, you got the New Day, Biggie, Kofi, Woods, like all these guys are prominent main event figures um, in their entire company. And not only are they, and I'll I'll even take it a step further where it's not so much just being a black wrestler, but Roman Reigns and Jey Uso aren't black, but you kind of get the feeling they've they've grown up grown up around black people, <laughs> which makes me a little bit more comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like just the way they carry themselves, they talk. Like everybody that I know from that's from the Bay Area or from San Jose or or from that area, Cali, knows guys like Jay Uso. You know guys like Roman Reigns. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, it's got it's got to be WWE. I mean, by default, right? Yeah. I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm not the one to answer this question. But there was. I mean, and I know the New Day Street Profit swap was. I mean, it was. It was pretty much a straight swap in the draft. But right mm-hmm. before the draft, uh, I mean, so there wasn't like a, a net plus or minus of black wrestlers. But right before the draft, there was like a, a couple of months where Raw felt like the blackest promotion. And I mean, there's a huge compliment yeah. that I've <laughs> ever seen, man. I mean, when like, because when you had the when you had the hurt business, like on the mic every week right and you ha- and the street profits came in keith lee came in and he's like vital vital like up and coming important cogs getting lots of screen time and there were lots of be themselves too like back in the day the gimmick of the black That's wrestler it. was you're the black wrestler exactly. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and it's good that there's different types of there's street profits there's hurt business but there's also the new day keith lee who are just like big anime geeks that just you know incorporate naruto and dragon ball z references and pokemon references every week but you also got you know guys like mvp and again it's a, it's an easy answer when you're talking about MVP because you're talking about a guy who this time last year was just supposed to be one of those, oh, wow, MVP just popped up at Royal Rumble. Sure. That's a nice that's a nice surprise. And he would have shown up on Legends Week. He would have shown up as a, <laughs> on, the, on, the, on WWE on Raw Legends yeah. Night and like you would have been like, cool. And then that was it. And then that would be it. But, you know, MVP through his, you know, immense talent, his, his ability to speak um, authentically, you know what I mean? Like authentically is such a, a a a specific and strong word. MVP has just been an absolute godsend for the raw brand because he's taken three people, and no disrespect to, I mean, obviously, love Lashley, love Cedric. Those are my guys. Um, I don't know Shelton that well, but those are my dudes. Um, they would tell you at the time they were they were looking for more. You know what I'm saying? Like an MVP got into them and gave them more. Even a guy like Apollo Crews got more. Ricochet got more. Um just all these talents are are, you know, they they've they got it right now, man. And and it's great that you don't have to just be super athletic black guy to get on TV, which is kind of what used to be 
the 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 staple. Like MVP became one of the most important cogs of WWE and specifically Raw just by his gifted gab and his ability to get Shelton Benjamin, who was, I mean, no disrespect, was collecting dust before the hurt business. You know what I mean? And now yeah. he's a champion. Cedric Alexander. Love 205 Live, but, you know, that that was pre-show stuff. That was, you know, stuff that people weren't really watching. Now he's in main event storylines. And, you know, Bobby Lashley, who we feel like, or I specifically feel like they've been waiting for him to kind of, like, take that next step forever now since he's mm-hmm. come back. And he's, and he's done it. So, yeah, it's got to be WWE. No question. Now, now, what was the question? How was, how was the question worded exactly, John? Because I just want to make sure that we don't, what promotion today is the best place to be a black wrestler? Well, okay. That was, everything, that was I it. stand by everything we've said. But if you mm-hmm. want to just go for, if you want to look at upside, any of the dudes we've just talked about, any of either the Street Profits, any of the guys in the New Day, any of the guys, any of the guys in the Hurt Business, Keith Lee, if any of those dudes showed up in AEW tomorrow, that mm. <laughs> they, they, they would have a good, they would have a pretty good five-year run. Yeah. You know, I mean, that could be a really, really, so I'm not, so, what we're saying, I mean, WWE's got like it has the track record right now. But man, I mean, AEW would would I think fall over themselves to give it, people with that kind of talent, but especially to get a black guy at the top of the rankings over there. I mean, mm-hmm. they they would they would it would it wouldn't be a bad place to be. Yeah, and and, and the rich gets richer, right? They just got the Rascals or MSK right now, who's on NXT last night. And, um, uh, yeah. you know, De- De- Desmond Xavier, who's I-, I watched a lot on Impact, um, really dope. Again, guys, if you're not watching Impact, there's very talented people over there. They're very good. I would even say Impact is probably the second best place for black talent right now. Yeah. When it comes well, to black I mean, wrestlers. The champion, I mean, they're, they're champions, black. I mean, Rich Swan, they gave him a chance and he like he took the, he, he ran with the ball. Uh, yeah. Moose has obviously had a long career over there. There's a bunch of people, man. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, and, I, I really love Chris Bay. I think Chris Bay is is, is really uh, talented. I like um, uh, Brooke Hogan, uh, T uh, Steels, um, Tosh Steels. Um, I mean, they got they got uh, man. It's like man, watch Impact. <laughs> I come out here every week and I'm like, man, Impact does really good TV. If you watch Hard to Kill this weekend, Omega, Kenny Omega and, and the Good Brothers taking on Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns. I mean, it's 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 great stuff happening over there. So, yeah, I, w- I would say I would say WWE, Impact, GCW. Shoot, then AEW. <laughs> OK, next one from Tigers fan. Yeah, Tigers fan Mike, who is the one 80s wrestler that would have thrived today? And conversely, who from the current day would have dominated in the 80s? And you can't say Lars Sullivan. <laughs> I mean, I think the real question for the second half is, it's not just who's who it's fun to say, like, that's that guy looks like he's straight out of the 80s. But, like, you know, a given that they're probably not going to be allowed to do any high-flying moves, given that they're going to be, like, restrictions by just, like, not by the bookers by like you know their trainers uh i mean it's easy to say like elias would have been like a super duper star back then right because he like evokes so much so many of those folks but like i don't know like who's like the purest i mean god i i, I mean man i would i i got one that just popped in my head and it, it seems pretty obvious it. to me uh cody i feel like cody would be like oh yeah the, the super white meat baby face, you know what I mean? And obviously this isn't a, I guess this messes up the, st- the space-time continuum since, you know, he'd be wrestling his, da- his dad, you know what I mean? That would have <laughs> been a great angle. It would have been a great angle. I'd, I'd watch it. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I think Cody just got it, man. Um, I think he's, he's, and I, the fact that he's so old school, you know what I mean? Like he has, you know, he, he has the work rate of a guy who could, you know, put on these sort of matches for 20, 30, 40 minutes. Um, high flying in great shape has gotten and he's gotten himself into tremendous shape recently. Like I, I, I didn't even, I guess I've watched him oh, so yeah. much. I've watched him so much. I haven't really noticed how bigger he's gotten. But I watched WrestleMania 31 the other night. Um, I think it was 31 with the ladder match, uh, Intercontinental Championship ladder match. And I'm like, geez, Co- Cody Rhodes got. So whoa, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's big. Every time you see him in a candid, too, it's just like if he's just like backstage in a t-shirt, he doesn't fit in any of the sleeves. Like it's, no. it's kind of crazy. Dude is dude is dude is yoked now. But I would 
I would say Cody would be like an 80s like megastar. Like he would be he'd be like a a a, a Von Eric. Like he'd be like a you know, he'd be up there with like the Bret Hart's like just straight up, you know, uh excellence of execution. Like I could see him doing these I've seen him cut these like very passionate promos to get those fans behind him because in in so many words, I mean He's living the gimmick. I mean, like he's he's always galvanized his fans. Like this is our promotion. This is our show. Everybody knows he's the boss, and people still root for him because at the end of the day, the true heel is the big bad machine in New York, right? So yeah. I, I, I would I would I would say like I would love to see current Cody Rhodes against like ultra heel NWA Ric Flair. Like sure. that would be, that would be freaking great. That would be my that would be my shit. I'm just like looking at the roster now. Obviously, like Drew McIntyre would be gold in the 80s. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he might have he might have dethroned Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of dudes where like we're we are blessed to have like an overload of foreign wrestlers in WWE now. I mean, these guys can speak English. You know, their English is their first or second language or whatever. But like, uh, you know, having an accent meant a lot more in the 80s. So like, I have right. no doubt that like. Cesaro could have been a super duper star with that with that skill set and just that right. look and everything. You said Von Erich. I mean, the closest thing to Kevin Von Erich we have now is probably Finn Balor, right? I mean, like Finn yeah. could have been a, like even if you take away a couple of his high flying moves, just his face and his accent would have made him the biggest star in the world, you know, in a lot and especially in the territories. But, you know, WWE too. Uh, Walter would be incredible. Keith Lee even oh, take away some mm, of the indie yeah. stuff. I mean, Keith Lee would have just been. Keith Lee would have been the first black champion, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no question at all. <laughs> no, I agree. Those are those are two names that I'm I'm surprised I didn't jump out. Walter, especially. Like I, I look at him and he could have been like, you know, the heir apparent to Andre the Giant. You know what I mean? He's not not definitely not as big as him, but just his character, the way he carries himself, the mystique. Like he's it's rare that champions in 2020 still 2021 rather, still uh carry a sort of mystique to them. And Walter definitely has that as far as like a big, badass, hard hitting, scary, foreign heel. You know what I mean? Like, I think he would have been dope in the 80s. And what is the vice versa for you guys? Like an 80s wrestler that would have thrived today? Macho would have been great. I have no doubt that he would have he would have uh, adapted. Same with same with uh, Steamboat. Um Although, you know, he was a little bit more, I mean, his, his, his mic skills, I guess, would be a little bit, a little bit more of a question mark. Right. Uh, I think he would have been fine. Um, God, what 80s? I mean, it's like, I think anybody, I think, I, feel, I, I mean, I want to say that anybody that could like, that felt like a total package guy in the 80s would have been, would be fine today. They would have figured out that, I mean, because it's not like everybody has to be one of the young bucks flying through the air, you know? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Pi- Piper probably, Piper would have been great. You know, uh, I mean, he was kind of limited during a lot of his WWE run, too, in the ring. But he's I mean, he's, he was fantastic. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Kaz? I'm sure. I'm, I'm uh, sure I don't even know if he's an 80s guy, but uh, I'm going to go like Big Van Vader. I think Vader oh, yeah. would have been uh, a massive star right now. Just the way he uh, as athletic as he was, as big as he was. I think he would have been dope. Um Man, who else? Uh, you know what's a, <laughs> you know who I think would have gotten popping, like just in an ironic sort of way, like Marty Janetti. Like I feel yeah. like there would have been like a Marty Janetti hive, like after the Rockers broke up. I feel totally. like you know the. <laughs> I think this week was like the twenty five year anniversary of the uh, the uh, what's called the barbershop window at the Heartbreak Hotel. Wow, yeah, and you know like. Marty Jannetty was really good. Like he was, he, he was. could wrestle his ass off. And I think there was like so much more story to tell between the breakup between him and Shawn Michaels that I feel like if Marty had the power of the internet to kind of like still remind people like, hey, like, you know, he got thrown through a window, but he's still pretty good. Um, I think he would have, I think it would have been just fine. Uh, I think somebody yeah. else, man, um, Rick Rude, you know what I mean? I was going like, to say that, that was the next <laughs> one on my list. Rick Rude it was a, serious worker i mean yeah. he could he could he would i mean that he feuded with the with the with with warrior for so long because they needed to get good matches out of warrior i mean that's yeah. what, that that was his job and he over in nwa right before he well he got hurt you know he his career bait functionally ended in the match with sting but he was out there i mean him and sting were were having good matches too i don't know if sting counts an 80s wrestler i'm sure i mean he would get over 
There's these, I mean, anybody with face paint would have been over at any moment. They would be, you know, the yeah. road warriors would do fine today. Like yeah. Nobody, nobody would be rolling their eyes at their, at their limitations. Right. Um, and obviously top, I mean, you know, like eighties, Ric Flair would absolutely be great today. You know I mean? There, I don't think there's anything controversial Steamboat, about that. I'd be, you know what I mean? Yeah. I said Steamboat. <laughs> I, I think he'd be fine. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure Jake the Snake would be. I mean, Jake the Snake would probably be a major player in AEW, just like he is, like in the ring, if he was around today. Right. Um, He'd probably yeah, be I Eddie mean, Kingston right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That is that is a perfect parallel. Do you guys think that like Babyface Hogan would be able to be Babyface Hogan today, or would there be backlash like we see with like the John Cena's and Roman Reigns, all that? Yeah, definitely. I have uh, a really hard time. We'll go, you answer first. I'll put it like this, man. The internet really opened up a lot of perspective on wrestlers, right? And even as a kid, I didn't really know that much. But I knew Macho Man wasn't tripping when Hulk Hogan was all over Elizabeth. Like, I'm like, dude, we got a match right now. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to see both sides here. And I'm like, and I was a Macho Man fan growing up. That was my favorite wrestler. You know, so um, even back then, even at the height of Hulkamania, there was still a very large sector of, of Macho Man guys that were just like, all right, yeah, vitamins, take your, say your prayers, all that type of stuff. But yo, dude with the Slim Jims, the old years, that's my guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I think there'd be backlash in that sort of sense. But I mean, people, we, uh, and it's going to hurt me to even give this dude any props because of you know obvious reasons but i think a lot of us truly forget how massive of a star like hulk hogan was in the 80s like this dude was on like every cartoon he was on saturday mm -hmm. morning cartoons he was on talk shows he did a ton of movies i mean like he's doing like johnny carson and 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 like you know like he was as mainstream as mainstream got like he was the jordan of like he was he was he was more famous than I'd say 95% of NFL players at the time. You know what I mean? Like, unless you were like Elway or like some massive... Yeah, for like, sure. Or Joe Montana or some shit. Like, Hulk uh -huh. Hogan was more popular than almost all those guys. Same with the NBA. Hulk Hogan was like... Hulk Hogan was like more popular than Terry Bradshaw, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. That, like, that's like... <laughs> like, I would think the line somewhere right around there. Like, he was so massive. I, I've been watching a lot of old... I've been watching a lot of old tape lately doing working on this Vince documentary and it's a little bit hard to process like what how 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 over just i mean that word is barely even functional because it's not even just a wrestling thing like you were saying right how, but how over he was is just it doesn't like you watch it sometimes and it doesn't make sense like you're just you're watching him in an interview and you're like why why are we cheering for this guy because there really was listen there's a lot of people that that are rumored to have been on vince's top five list for for his big star right people have talked about Orndorff was already in house that he might have gotten some of that shine if Hogan hadn't signed. There's a lot of people. A lot of people have, have said Kerry Von Erich, and I have no doubt. I think Meltzer talked about this recently, uh, but I have no doubt that like Vince McMahon, when he was trying to woo the Von Erichs, was like Kerry Von Erich will be my big baby face, you know. And, and there, and but I, but I don't think Kerry could have done what Hogan did. I, I just, but 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 the connection between the insane charisma and the machine of WWF is so hard to separate out. Yeah, they were partners, man. Like Vince, Hulk Hogan was just as, uh, probably just as important as Vince McMahon at that point to the to the growth of WWE. When you're talking about WrestleMania and how much the risk it took to put WrestleMania on pay per view, and this is your main event, and you got Muhammad Ali and Mr. T out there with <laughs> your number one guy, like it, it doesn't get no bigger than that. So yeah, it's easy to say, well, you know. They could have gotten another star or they could have made another Hogan. But, I mean, it is sometimes timing is everything. And Hulk Hogan was the right guy at the right time doing the right thing, you know. So it it, it all made sense. So Did yeah. we mention Mr. Perfect in the first question? Because I want to change all of my answers to Mr. Perfect. <laughs> we, we didn't. We didn't. But, yeah, let's let's go into let's go into Mr. Perfect, man. No, he's he's just absolutely he's absolutely the best. He's, he's he, I, I, I was thinking about him with Ma, with we were talking about Macho Man because because there was like yes. the list of wrestlers that made me made me question my uh, my baby face fandom as a child. Or he's like <laughs> two wrestlers long. It's Macho Man and and Kurt Hennig. I mean, yeah. that's I was just like I didn't understand why I liked them when they were heels, you know. And but I but I loved them. The two most 
or I guess three most used wrestling moves that happened when you were a kid that got you in trouble was definitely the sharpshooter and the perfect plex. Like <laughs> the perfect plex was, you know, the move that got us all to detention. And you know, you wanted to you wanted to pop your hips and stay on and stay on the tip of your toes to to really do the pin and everything. Like he he was perfect, man. And you know, uh, shout out to uh, Guile who does um, WWE on Fox account. And seems to go viral every time he tweets something about, you know, who's the most underrated, who's never been the champion, who's done this, who's done that. And Mr. Perfect trended worldwide because everybody, like people who you, I didn't even think watched wrestling. Like, I'm talking about like political pundits, like NBA players were like, man, Mr. Perfect was my guy growing up. Like, how is this guy never the champion? And then they're showing all the vignettes with all the with all the athletes and smacking the gum and throwing the football and cashing it himself with like, you know, playing with Wade Boggs. Like, just, yeah, he's, he, it goes without saying that Mr. Perfect was uh, a guy who would be, he definitely he might have he might have been too early. That's how good he was. He might have been he might have been too good too soon. Like if Kurt Henning came out in the beginning of in the end of the nineties, like end nineties to two thousands, we'd look at him like we look at like a Daniel Bryan. You know what I mean? Like we look at him like as as a guy that was just did everything, everything, everything really, really good. So uh, For, no almost perfect. Be. <laughs> mm-hmm. his, 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 he wasn't just living the gimmick he was the gimmick next questions from sensei denny b um so new japan has no problem booking problematic performers they mentioned speaking out as a example um so ring of honor a wwe have released suspended or somehow punished offenders why do you feel there's a difference is it cultural i don't know I mean, I think there's, I think that there's a, there is a, I can't speak to the cultural difference. It does seem like there is one. I also think that just the, the literal distance and the social media, you know, barriers that are up, I mean, it, you know, it, just the, just the different sorts of engagement just make it a lot more practical. Yeah. There's obviously just a different decision-making process going on over there for, for a lot of these different things. So, you know, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't claim to understand it, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't it's never kind of shocked me too much yeah i don't think it's it it doesn't shock me that much i do feel like i do feel like western uh promotions have a lot more people to answer to when it comes to you know television contracts and and stock options and and investors and all this type of stuff you know what i mean like especially when it comes to america um you know it's I'll put it like this. I feel like, and I could definitely be wrong here. The only reason why, well, the one of the biggest reasons why the speaking out movement was, you know, a a, a big moment um, in professional wrestling this summer is because it affects so many bottom lines. Whereas I don't think that affects, you know, other promotions bottom line as much. Um, I think there's more to lose if you're going to put somebody who's been accused of deplorable acts um, on television, you know, like there's, we all watch this thing. We all watch this program so socially. And, you know, if I'm watching someone on TV and I Google them afterwards, and the first thing that pops up on Google is you're accused of X, Y, Z. Um, that's not good for my bottom line. I mean, like if you're a promoter, if you're just putting a wrestling show together, you may not mind as much, but those people that are putting those wrestling shows together have to answer to somebody who's cutting those checks, have to answer to somebody who's saying, Hey, um, this isn't only just terrible morally, you know what I mean? Like not only do I just not for bang with this as a, as a person, but you're also affecting my bottom line, you know? So certain folks, I mean, you know, granted, even in America, there's been some folks who was part of that movement um, a part, or, 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 or was named uh, during that time in the summer that have found their way back to television. And it's not the same. You know, there's still sort of a stench to them. There's still sort of a, a, a uh, uh, you know, there's still sort of, 
toxic to touch where like some like you know I mean Velveteen Dream like he was a guy who I thought I would have bet the house on you know a couple of years ago like this dude is going to be main event in WrestleMania this guy's going to be bigger than gold dust this guy's going to be you know he's he's going to be the young thug of professional wrestling right just this this androgynous just mystery like John C like John Cena like when went to bat and was like this guy's the future you know what I'm saying? And now it's like you can't even really see him on TV. And when you do see him on TV, it's kind of like uh, it's not as it, it, it's 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 not the same. So I don't think it's a New Japan and, and WWE thing or or Western, um, uh, you know, United States thing. I do think it's just um, I think I think it affects more bottom lines when it comes to uh, a publicly traded company like WWE or, you know, AEW, which is on, you know, Turner Network Television. Some of this stuff is is sort of mind-boggling, and some of it's like, I mean, Dream is a good example. Uh, we don't know all the details, and, and we haven't, I haven't talked about it deliberately much in the show, but, like, obviously NXT is a little more insulated than the main roster, and you can understand a world in which, I'm not saying right or wrong, probably wrong, but you can understand a world in which your boss in some, in, in, in another, another industry would be like, yeah, you've had problems, but like I'm with you on this or like we got to work together to get through this or like what I'm going to give you a second chance. Um, and those are oper- I mean, and and regardless, that, that's the sort of thing that just can't fly with a company as big as like main roster WWE. Uh, and certainly that's a thing that could fly and that, that could be happening in Japan as well. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Next question. We're going to go kayfabe with this one from Hey Young Man. Um, why is the inverted atomic drop a legal move. A kick or punch to the groin is a DQ, but dropping someone onto your thigh slash knee when there's clearly like testicle contact, <laughs> why is that okay? So, all right, <laughs> kayfabe, if I'm a wrestler and the referee is trying to disqualify me, qualifying an atomic drop as a nut shot, the atomic drop is supposed to be a, 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 a tailbone targeted attack, okay? Originally, it was turned around and they drop the knee on the butt, right? The inverted one is turned like when you're facing forward. So you're still supposed to be dropping them on the tailbone, but from the naked eye, it definitely looks like an unabashed nut shot. Yes. So I would definitely <laughs> I would definitely talk to the referee, be like, hey man, I was going for the, the for the tailbone and you know, don't you know, don't, you know. Don't disqualify me. This is absolutely within the the, the means and the rules, and you know. And I think intent. I think intent does matter, right? Intent because, does I mean, matter. Just in, yes. in, in kayfabe <laughs> here, because like, if you go for a nut shot and the referee's watching, you do the full on China style. Yeah, you guys are doing <laughs> on the, the the China style full arm wrap around groin shot. Right. Then, even if you missed the nuts. <laughs> that would be that should be a disqualification because you were trying if you hurt them if they're in pain from that move it doesn't you don't have to like have the CSI unit to come out and see where the contact was right but the inverted atomic drop if performed correctly yeah as a tailbone move even if you just like want to make the case it's more of a maybe it's more of a in between maybe more of a grundle uh, targeted area it's still not a nutshell <laughs> anyway. I would also say, I would also say, as far as intent mattering, Ric Flair had several times, you know, been been disoriented and would just faint on top of people's balls. And that wouldn't be a disqualification because he didn't know what he was doing. He was knocked out. He would be woozy and then he'd just drop it and headbutt on the balls and the ref would just be like, oh, no, that wasn't on purpose. And that, Also, that, your hands aren't touching it, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're using their body as a weapon against itself. This is so true. Is it, there's a difference between a closed fist punching somebody in the face and hitting somebody's face against the turnbuckle in the same way, right? That shit doesn't do the same amount of damage, but one of them is your fist doing it in the same way that like it's okay to knock somebody off the top rope in such a way that you know they're going to get racked on the, on the turnbuckle or on the rope that's going to go right between their legs. You can't do that with your arm or your leg. You gotta, there's got to be one degree of separation. And in and the case of the atomic drop, their body is the degree of separation. All right. Next question from TW Takes Podcast. Is it plausible that NXT talent would benefit from a third hour of NXT opposed to talent call-up? What do you guys think? 
I'm biased because I have made this argument before, but that what they need to do, I mean, they, they kind of had the right look with UK, with the NXT UK, but what they need to do is not figure out how to launch Evolve out of the Performance Center. They just need to open up two more Performance Center. I mean, they like the best, I don't know, financially, there's a lot of reasons why it might not work. But if they had NXT, NXT Texas and NXT Toronto or something like that, you know, whatever. I mean, just NXT, NXT New Jersey. Uh, just having like three locations and four, if you can't UK, they could ferry talent in between and have Texas be the lowest of the low, you know, like have different tiers, but actually having them work in front of different crowds and having them be different shows that you, you know, had different levels of attachment to like that would be the best case scenario for them. What do you think, Cass? Uh, as a fan, I don't want to see three hours of NXT. I think that's too much. No. I think three hours of any wrestling show that isn't a pay-per-view is way too much. And I'll keep it at that. <laughs> well, and they barely have two hours. I mean, listen, I mean, they were an hour before. They they got to two hours, but it's not like, it's not like crash television. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's like they have, there's a lot of promos. There's a lot of guys doing, you know, pretty minor appearances on a, like they're, they're big, big name wrestlers that don't really show up all the time. I mean, it's, they have it spread out a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what they do with a third hour, frankly, you know? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, Raw has Raw becomes a little bit of a chore after that third hour, you know. So I mean, after that second hour, so yeah, everything does, man. <sighs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of wrestling. That's a whole Avengers in game. Both parts became a slog after the <laughs> second hour. <laughs> True facts. True facts. And I'm saying as a fan. All right, next question. Next question from Joshua Goldman. Name three superstars in the main roster you would want to see win their first WWE or Universal title in the next six months. Uh, I guess this is an easy one. You want to take this? Uh, the, their first one, huh? Uh, Keith Lee is easy. Yep. Main, main roster only? Yep. Who else would be fun? I mean, we just came off of SmackDown where I think we can all agree like uh, Nakamura looked really good. And and you could you 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 remembered what cheering for him was like. Uh, Samoa Joe, is mm. he going to be able to work anytime soon? I hope so. I mean, there's so many people who I would love to see as champion, but like, it doesn't feel like it's it's quite their turn. I I would I would definitely throw Cesaro in there. I was about to say him, but then I was like, are we just fantasy booking now? Like, I don't. I mean, that's yeah. That's, yeah, I would I mean, love to talk that. about six months. I mean, who who really knows? I mean, the Royal Rumble is always the great reset, so anybody could be hot in the next three weeks. So who knows? I would love to see Shinsuke have a real ch real run as 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 a top guy. I feel like we got to see a little bit of that this week, and and just remember how dope he is as a as a solo star. Um. I would love to see I'm talking about first time WWE or Universal Champion. Samoa Joe's a great name. I would love to see Samoa Joe come out the booth and, you know, kick ass again. He's one of my favorite all-time favorites in any any promotion. I'll add one. Uh, I want the Hurt Business at the top of the card. So I guess Bobby that would have Lashley? to be Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Bobby. yeah. I think I'd, li I'd like to see Bobby champion? Lashley. Was he, was he never dude? champion his first run? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no. Was he ECW champ or my bugging? He was ECW champion, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'd like I'd like to see Bobby Lashley too. Um Keith Lee easily. Uh Big E, you know what I mean? I think Big E as as oh, WWE yeah, sorry. champ, yeah, universal course. champ will be will be really tight. Um man, I would yeah, there's there's a couple of guys in there. Um I want to I want to find some like I don't know. I don't know. I'm I was I'm a, a bit big First, it's it's definitely way 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 have a small has a very very small chance of happening, but I mean who knows? I really liked Andrade as NXT champion, um, especially when she had Zelina Vega. Uh, so I mean oh, I don't yeah. know what's gonna happen with him in his career, especially now that he's he hasn't been on TV in a while. Um, but that's always a good that's that can always be a good thing sometimes. Sometimes when you're not on TV, you give people a chance to miss you. And when you come back, you got a little fire underneath you. So well, who knows? Alistair Black was trending on Twitter at some point this week, and I was like, oh shit, he got fired. And he didn't get fired, I guess. But like there's a handful of guys and put Keith Lee in this. I mean, they're obviously behind Keith Lee, but there's a handful of dudes who it, if they started on like they started this week and said, We want somebody to be in the main event of WrestleMania. 
it is not complicated to put Big E there, to put Keith Lee there. It's not complicated to put Aleister Black there. It's not complicated to put Ricochet there. It's not. It wouldn't be complicated to bring Walter over in the Rumble and put him there. I mean, these are all people who we'd love to see. And if they, if the machine fully got behind them, you could do that. I mean, listen, no matter every, after everything they put Ricochet through, like an idiot could book him into the main event of WrestleMania. Like he is, like he. It's so he gets such a. Like he's just built to be cheered. Like it's not hard. Um, so I mean, I don't know if I put him on my list because I, I have, I have like you know, I have, I love some people in different ways. <laughs> um, but you know, it, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. Um, neither of us mentioned Big Omos. He's definitely on the list too. Big Omos, that's <laughs> my guy. Yeah. He's more he's more over right now than anybody in wrestling. I feel like like everybody love, like I all of my Jordan. T- talking about '80s fans, thinking about like our childhood fandom. He pulls all those strings, man. People just go nuts for him. Love almost, man. He's gonna be. He's gonna be. He's man. I don't want to. I don't want to put him in Great Khali, you know, mentioned. But like, can you imagine if Great Khali could really talk and had some personalities? <laughs> you know, was was a big Nigerian goofball, but just hilarious. Also, just yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I feel like they're I feel like they're taking their time with them because you could rarely go wrong with the Giants. So let's see where that goes. All right. Uh, next question. We're gonna pretend you guys are COVID experts. What are the odds of having some semblance of a live crowd at WrestleMania this year or next year? I think they're gonna have a crowd at WrestleMania this year. I truly believe so. I believe that they're gonna have, you know, I don't know if it's I think they'll definitely have it in the stadium. I think it'll be spread out. I think it's going to it's going to really I think the Super Bowl is going to be a big tell. It's going to be a big tell to see where they are as far as like having a crowd at WrestleMania because it's at Raymond James Stadium, Tampa Bay, Florida. The uh the 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 COVID protocols aren't as uh you know stringent as they are throughout the country. Um you know, take with that what you will. Um but I do believe if they pull off the Super Bowl with fans and the vaccines are starting to get out more and there's ways to test people and only allow folks in who have gotten, uh, you know, a a, a, a vaccinated test. Like, I think there's going to, it may not be a full crowd, but I'm, I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to put a hefty bet that, um, that there'll be at least like 1,300 people in that stadium. My only hesitation is we, we don't know the financials of the NFL and what they've been doing, the teams letting in 1500 fans or doing whatever, but like it does kind of feel like they're probably not netting up. They're probably not making money doing that. You know, it's more of like a, it's more of like a, a gesture towards normalcy and, and NFL obviously has a much, def, I mean, WWE's, you know, a billion has billions of dollars or whatever, but like de, NFL's got a lot bigger, bank account to just sort of and a lot more of an investment in making things seem normal uh so i don't know if it comes down to it if wwe looks at the financials and just says well, yeah we could run a football stadium in florida uh but it would end up netting us out to like like we'd, we'd make negative one dollar they might just say no you know they might say like, we'll wait for next year so i don't know I th- but i but i agree with what you said i think that they're, they're going to be watching they, i know they're going to be watching the Super Bowl very, very closely. Um, it's just sort of a question now of like, maybe they're cool with what they've got, you know? Maybe, maybe they're maybe they're okay for the minute, the moment. But we'll we'll see. All right. Um, our next question coming from at Real Andrew Clark. Since the Royal Rumble is coming up, do you have a top five of the best Royal Rumble wins? By that, I mean not the top five winners, but the five times the match and the finish were particularly relevant in the long run or were special to you. Yeah. Uh, in no particular order, I thought um, the Drew McIntyre win was done very well last year. Oh, wow. Um, Great. I thought the Shinsuke Nakamura win was done very well, even though he didn't end up winning the title at WrestleMania. Um, I loved Shawn Michaels the first time hanging 96. on the rope, 96, coming back, knocking yep. British Bulldog off. Uh, no, actually, I'll take, I'll, I'll cheat and put both Shawn Michaels wins when he went back to back 
and you yeah. know won the next year. Um, man, who else was a great Royal Rumble winner? Uh, man, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw Stone, Stone Cold, Cold in there. Three, I'll throw right? Stone Cold's yeah. uh, first win, first Royal Rumble win in there. Uh, the road to the road to you know Austin three sixteen. Oh, after Austin three sixteen. Austin had three, right? He had three. Austin yes. Had, yep. Nine, was it ninety seven? I'm looking at ninety seven, ninety eight, and oh one. I think ninety eight was the one I would put on my list. That was just like that was peak, like Austin, the Austin machine going into effect. That was freaking awesome. Every Austin Rumble is fun in a different way. Which was the one where there was like where he just stood in the ring waiting for people over and over again? Was that oh one or was that ninety eight? I'm I getting say I'm that getting was my. Old. I think that was 98 when he's looking at his watch, the gift. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was 98 because they didn't have, because no one else was on the roster in 98. Like he was taking on like, like the, like, like separate members of tag teams that like I've literally forgot existed every time I watch that, you know, every time I turn that, that rumble on, but it was a free, it was a really well-told story. Yeah, um, yep. The, the, the best told story of all time was Ric Flair in 92. I mean, the oh, fair to flair Royal rumble. There's nothing that's nothing will ever touch that. Um, but then if you want to talk about stories bigger than the Rumble themselves, I mean, the story going in and, and paying off before and after the match. I mean, maybe this is a wild card. I don't know. But Batista, what year did Batista win? That was like 04, 05, something I like that. I think it was, it was like, 04. Yeah. He he was, uh, that was, that was sick, man. I love Batista. <laughs> Batista, Batista was, doesn't get enough love to me, man. Like, no, I love Batista's no. run, yo. I he came. Bat- he came like you talk about guys that came too soon. I mean, he was there at a good time or whatever. But like, if he had come even three years earlier, come along three years earlier, then we wouldn't put him in a category. Like, we wouldn't have been expecting as much of him as a worker. He was actually a good worker. He's a very like, good he, worker. You know, but if if well, let's say this: he was older when he got in too, right? I mean, if he had if he had just been one of those like guys who popped up at twenty three, he'd probably be a legend. I mean, he'd probably be an all timer. You know, I mean, that's he, he was he was that good. And what and with all that, he still is. He still is like he's a Marvel superhero. He's an accomplished actor. He's yeah. won multiple world titles. He's gonna go in the Hall of Fame one day. Like even with all that, he's still well. The, and the Marvel stuff matters too because when we get in these stupid arguments about Mount Rushmore, it's like the mm-hmm. argument for the Rock. Oh, if you if you're if you're picking between the Rock and Steve Austin, mm-hmm. the argument for the Rock only exists if you're counting movie stardom. Right. I mean, like The Rock was one of the biggest wrestlers ever, but he wasn't Stone Cold if they both like if the if the clock stops at when they leave the ring the first time. Right. Um, right. Right. I mean, The Rock coming back for WrestleMania is I'm loop, you know, again, seeing I'm looping that in, or, you know, hugging that into the to the movie started because that's why he was back. He was back to promote, you know, whatever. But well, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not I don't know enough. I don't know enough people that that were in the know in that time, but I always feel like I've always felt in the back of my head the reason why The Rock wasn't as successful as Stone Cold in the ring is because they know he was going to be gone for six months out of the year doing movie shit, and you know they're not going to they're not going to put the title on the guy who's not going to be around all year, um, and even then they still put the title on him because he was so damn good. So I feel like if there was a you know if he. Uh, if The Rock's um, movie stardom, you know, didn't take off. I mean, who knows? It's like a chicken and the egg thing, right? Like It matters, and it matters for Batista, too. I will say, frankly, w- one of the things that I think makes Batista unbelievably significant is that his when he made his comeback for the Blue Tista era, when he, you know, WrestleMania 30, Daniel Bryan, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that was like a catastrophe. And yet, that actually has improved his legacy. The fact that yeah. he just sort of like went with it and like was... Cool. Like at the time, it was like, why is this guy here? And like in retrospect, you're like, what a great return. What a great little run by Batista before he goes what? off and makes some like sci fi art flicks again. Without Blue Tista, we don't get the yes movement. So <laughs> everything, everything happens for a reason, wrestling fans. Keep complaining. It's all good. <laughs> all right. What's the next question? Next question from King Neil 2 Do you think a secondary mid-card singles title would be good for the women's division? No. I think uh <laughs> and I think that's the reason why the tag team division to the tag team titles kind of float between brands. Um, I don't think there's enough people on the roster to make a mid-card women's title uh, you know, effective. Um if if there were no brand brand split and all women's wrestlers were all on one show, yeah, sure, definitely, absolutely. But I just don't think there's enough talent, um, you know, to kind of spread that out. And 
you know what? Maybe there is enough talent, not enough TV time to get them all on TV to make that title matter. I think there's already too many titles on TV. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's 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 a value in like what they did when they had when they brought up Rhea Ripley for that WrestleMania match, right? Against Charlotte, like to have to have a third champion that you have access to is great. They have one. It's the NXT champion. They also have an NXT UK champion. You know, they can do things with that, and they can also. I mean, if you really wanted a third title. I agree with Cass. There's not enough. There's not enough of a roster, really, and there's not enough TV time. But if you, you know, if you if you need, if you feel like that would help tell stories, get a fake, get a million dollar belt or something in there. You know, get a get like make one of them the the queen of the ring and have people fight over that. You know, I mean, and it doesn't have to be a thing that's defended on every pay per view. There's a lot of ways you can book it without, you know, making the women's the IC title or something that that people just spend half their time complaining about how meaningless it is. You know, I mean, it's it, it's it's not going to solve anything. All right, we're going to wrap it up with this final question from RTH, RT Homet, okay. I guess. Um, what's the single worst thing Vince McMahon has ever done? Uh, I, w- I, would like, I would like a kayfabe answer and then like a real life Vince McMahon, the booker answer. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, You're doing a documentary. You should know these. It <laughs> should be an easy one for you. I mean, he has like beat up his family members, right? <laughs> he's, he's like flaunted infidelity. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, he beat up his daughter he, in a no disqualification match. <laughs> yeah. He made, he's made, he's made grown men kiss his bare ass on television. Made true Stratus like bark and like be like his like servant. Like that was kind of pretty yeah. weird stuff. He said he wanted the Undertaker's wife to be raped. <laughs> like, there's some pretty terrible stuff that Mystic Man has said on TV. Like, pretty terrible stuff. Um, man, you know what? Just go through. Listen, just turn on any episode of Raw and SmackDown from the Ruthless Aggression era. No, go back and watch. Go back and watch the commercials that Linda McMahon's Senate campaign opponent Oof. ran against her. They were they were just like they were just smash cut. There's super cuts of like the McMahon family doing dastardly stuff. They're like they like viewers were like, wait, that happened on television. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was it was a lot. we should we should maybe do a ranking some at some point about this. Just like what's the top what, like the top five worst thing that Vince McMahon has done. We'll keep we'll stick to kayfabe. Uh, we got to get out of here. Thank you guys for your questions. We should do this more often. This is this, this is, is a lot of fun. <laughs> this was a good. There was good professional wrestling this week too. Uh, mentioned Nakamura. Happy to see Sony Deville back. Adam Pierce versus Roman Reigns. I cannot. That is going to be okay. Before we get out of here, Roman Reigns versus Adam Pierce. I'm calling it right now. Will be if they let them go. If they really let them go, match of the year candidate. I guarantee you. We have we have an, another episode of SmackDown at least one right before no two more episodes of SmackDown before the Rumble so it's a little bit early to be announcing a Rumble main event match you know I, mean, I don't know if that's I don't know if it's not going to happen or if they're going to bring in a third party or yeah. maybe but if it I mean you're right I'm excited I am excited it's the first time we've got an actual underdog babyface WWE official or you know someone from the office that like everyone is actively like. Oh my God, we're getting a scrap daddy match at the Royal Rumble. Are you kidding Under, me? Yo, no, I listen. Adam Pierce is at the top of the underdog babyface authority figure rankings, but he's but there was actually a rankings now because Triple H is out there in a in an <laughs> underdog role against Randy Orton. Triple H turned metamorphosized into Alexa Bliss, I guess, and and threw fire in Randy's face. And I mean, I think you gotta put Tony Khan in the rankings too, because he's sitting backstage looking shaking his head and in, in disgust. When they announce the Good Brother, when they bring the Good Brothers out there, I mean, <laughs> Babyface Authority figures, you know, underdog Babyface Authority figures are the new, the new black. It works. It works. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for sending in your questions. Uh, John Kaz, thank you as always. Uh, do you want to plug anything on the way out the door? Uh, same thing. I plug out all the time. Say less with Kaz and Low Key Podcast every Monday. Check out the first one podcast with DJ Khaled on Amazon Music. Check me out on MSGAM. We're on a little bit of hiatus, but we'll be back at the end of January following every New York Knicks game if you are in uh, the New York market or have Fubo or AT&T TV or any of those fine streaming apps. Um, but yeah, you know, we out here, man. Let's get it. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. 
Tony Schiavone here on the Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. 